spoiler alert. Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shnaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. We are discussing Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Our book club session took place on October 1st, and in attendance was Lindsay, Jennifer, Rachel, Amy, Heather, Lori, and of course myself. So let's get right to it, and welcome to Book Club. Hello everyone, I'm Shanaz, and I have to admit that I read the book but a few months ago, so... If I'm missing any intricate details, I apologize. I'm Lori, and I was surprised at how much I really, really loved this book. Hi, I'm Heather. I also read it uh, a while ago. I'm hoping to remember more than <laughs> more than a little bit, but I also really liked it. Hi, I'm Rachel. I just finished the book right before this book club, so I'm coming in very fresh, and I feel like I may have an unpopular opinion about one aspect of the book. Hi, I'm Amy, and I'm with you, Lori. I was surprised how much I liked the book. Uh, Shanaz told me I would like it, but, you know, you never know, because everybody's got different opinions on books, but you were right, Shanaz. I really, really enjoyed the book. I'm Lindsay. Um, I This is actually my second read of the book. I absolutely love it. I'm super excited for Ready Player Two that's coming out next month because it's already October and I'm also a Hufflepuff. Woohoo! All right, book club is officially open. So my um, first question is usually, what are your first thoughts? Like when you think of the book, first words that come to mind, just anyone, just keep going. Predict the future. Really? Okay. Predicted the future. All right. Fun and adventurous. I thought it was a bit nostalgic as a child of the 80s. Nostalgia. Yay. I just... I thought it was a fun read and entertaining. For me, it was an adventure. I felt like I was in a, like in a park. Like, you know, a roller coaster ride. I was just, I was in it. So... Amy, thoughts? I also, when um, she was talking about predicting the future, it also was kind of like, it was nostalgic on one end because of all the 80s stuff. But then also it's like, you know, so much is becoming virtual, even now, you know, with the pandemic and just everybody Zooming instead of seeing each other face to face. And I thought, gosh, this is kind of like the perfect timing for this book. It really makes you think. I think somewhere he probably knew about COVID when he wrote this book. Some kind of a trick thing. All right, so major themes covered by this book. We just, now we can just go. Anyone can ask questions. You just, major themes. What, what do you think the main theme of the book was? The main theme? Uh-huh, what, what was the book all about? Like, what was the meat of the story? Or was it just a fun, fun read? Don't worry about it. Just read and don't think about it. For me, I there, there are two parts to it. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I agree. I think also with that nostalgic part, but also this predicting the future. And I thought that the futuristic part of it was dystopian, um, was very much where the world could go if we allowed uh, virtual reality to become our reality. But it also integrated this nostalgic uh, children of the 80s who grew up in the video game world and 
uh, where their life could lead. There was something about like abuse of power and the the classic like good versus evil thing, right? That I really never gets old. It works in so many stories. And I actually just before this was talking with some friends and I was thinking about a quote in the book that does feel prophetic in some ways. And it was um, about voting in the Oasis, which is the virtual world, right? And the line is, Besides, now that everyone could vote from home via the Oasis, the only people who could get elected were movie stars, reality TV personalities, or radical televangelists. And I remember like setting my e-reader down and just being like putting my my hands to my head and thinking this is a little too real. I don't know. Um, so I didn't know if that resonated with anyone else, but that felt like a thread throughout that really captivated me. I did the exact same thing when I read that passage I like just like had to stop and I started laughing and I was like oh my gosh and then I looked to see when the book was written (laughs) I was like wow when was this written this is crazy and then how the next paragraph after that talks about how he you know decided not to vote in the real world but that he was definitely going to vote in the oasis because I don't remember who the president was but Will Wheaton was the vice president and I listened to it on audio and Will Wheaton narrates the audio and it just made me laugh. (laughs) Well, of course, Will Wheaton had to narrate it. I mean, it's Will Wheaton. He did a fantastic job. It it was awesome. I actually... When was it written? I couldn't remember. When was it written? When was the book written? 2011, I think. Okay. I, you know, normally... I don't know when it was written. Yeah, normally I do books in audio. This is one of those books that I just... My husband gave me a copy and I did it as a challenge because someone said, oh, you don't read sci-fi much. So it was my journey into sci-fi for this year. It was one of my challenge box and I couldn't go to sleep. I literally stayed up. It was like 10 a.m. till 5, I mean, 10 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. And I kept doing the ma- the major lie that every reader says one more chapter because I was just like wait oh my gosh wait w- what's gonna happen the next thing and the next thing and the scene that really I don't know what what scene really touched you I'll tell you what really got me is when his aunt is in the stacks and he realizes that they're gonna kill her and and they're gonna blow it up and that's when it got real for me. I was like, oh my gosh. And then she's with this loser. And I'm just kind of like, get out of there, get out of there. And then the whole thing comes down. I was like, okay, this is real. Because it, it took me out of the oasis. And then I was able to simultaneously see two worlds. I was able to see the oasis world. And I was able to see the real world at the same time. And I was like, oh my goodness. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that being the first scene where it's really brought to our attention that a world outside the Oasis exists because I feel like the beginning we're so, we're being so um, pulled in to the Oasis world and how important it is uh, to the protagonist that I hadn't thought about the fact that that scene with the Anna's when it's like, oh no, real life still exists actually, <laughs> whether we want it to or not, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was when the friend died, when they killed his friend. 
it makes you realize that there's this real life component to um, to this book. And these are kids. I think for me, when when we're talking about theme, I think a lot of it, what I got from it was how much you can come to care about someone that you've never heard their voice, you've never seen their face, and you can just care about somebody solely for their personality. And it's almost like, wouldn't it be nice if it was that way all the time? You know what I mean? It would. It almost makes you want to go in the Oasis so that you can, you know, make friends because of who people are in their personalities instead of the way they look. My absolute favorite scene that I think about, like after reading this book for the first time, I thought about it so often, is the scene where um, Wade crawls into um, H's RV and, you know, finds out that H is not a white dude, but rather a large black woman. And uh, I can just like picture her face sitting there and she's like, oh, he's about to find out that I'm kind of a liar. And I can picture his like paws. I can just picture it so vividly. Um, I love that scene. I think about it all the time. Like I just, I just find myself thinking about that moment. How many of you predicted that? I mean, I did not. I mean that, I'm not very not good at, at predicting things. So nobody? I didn't predict it at all. And I even like kind of racked my brain thinking, were there any like clues or foreshadows? I mean, maybe I'd have to reread it to find out, but. So there is at one point where, you know, when he is flirting with, um, what's the girl, is it Artemis? Artemis is the girl. Artemis. Artemis. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and she'll be like, well, how do you know I'm not like, you know, an old guy named Chad in my mom's basement. And, and he's like, I can just tell that you're a girl. And, and he says something about how he knows that H is a guy. Um, like he, he says something and I only caught that on my second read through because I knew so. <laughs> right. But I do remember H telling him that I could be anybody, you know, and there was this mention of in the Oasis, but after a certain point, you start trusting your main characters. I mean, I just trusted, okay, no, H is a guy, uh, the other, the girl, what's her name? Uh, you know, she's going to be, you know, she's a girl and this is how it is. Yeah. But I just, yeah, H just completely. I, I did think the interesting theme about being, being able to be whoever you want to be. I think that that's put through the whole book that you can portray yourself in any way you want when you're within the Oasis. And it, mm-hmm. um, it, it goes back to understanding and liking someone for who they are and who they want to portray themselves as versus what you see in the real world. Do you think this book is about just winning, like winning big? Or is it more about, was there any point where it just became for the fun of it? I don't care about whether I'm going to win or not. It's the challenge of breaking the code. Or or can I not separate the two? Yeah, no, I mean, I think at the very end, he definitely, like, he ends up almost winning. You know, he, he purposely kills himself but then he finds out that he has the extra life. Like it's more about not letting the, the evil corporation take over. Right. What I, what I think is beautiful is there was, so I read part of it, but then I also listened to some of it, which was an interesting experience. And I was listening to, um, I would say about three quarters of the way in maybe. And I realized, oh, it's suddenly become a team effort, right? 
-hmm. Like it takes all of them though. And I feel like that's not super explicit, but it's there enough in, and it doesn't become corny, but there's like this underlying message about it, it can't just be about the individual. It needs to be about people coming together to um, kind of stop evil or the darkness, right? Whatever you want to call it. And there was something about that that really did touch my heart. Like when they're all kind of playing together and the Monty Python scene where some of them are feeding lines and he's like, I don't, I don't need your help. Like I've seen it 110 times just this year or whatever, but they're joking. And I love that. I felt like part of their friend group a little bit in those kind of moments. And that was really, I think the most fun for me in the adventure part of it. It felt like I was a part of their friend group, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, you haven't said anything. What are your uh, thoughts about this book? I mean, themes? Uh, I loved it. Um, I agree with everything that you guys have, have said so far. Um, I thought one thing that was interesting too was why why the 1980s that was one of my questions why did they choose that decade um to um kind of bring all of that culture into the the book world like why not the 70s or the 90s was the author aiming for you know a certain reader group um or maybe just personal opinion but i don't know what did you guys have thoughts wise i, I would that? guess that that's just what the author knew about like, i'm just gonna say Jennifer, it took me everything to just let you talk and not just jump and go, why not the 80s? The 80s is the greatest ever. I mean, it's just the coolest. I, I'm an 80s kid, so I never questioned why the 80s. I was like, about time, the 80s. I was just, I was like, I don't, if, I don't know if it was 70s or 60s, if I'd have appreciated as much. I don't know. 90s anyone else I think it had to do with it being the video game revolution so the yeah. 80s were the video game revolution where it went from um, the beginning of Atari all the way through Nintendo and that's where the birth of all of the home um, entertainment video games came from and I, I thought that's why it was the 80s every time when I was reading it yeah favorite favorite scene with video games or anything in this book I have one but I definitely the quarter scene yeah. where he comes across that pizza shop and I just I thought that was so great and it felt like being in on this little secret because it's something that um, he experiences alone and then to find out that it actually really really matters and gives him this extra life later I just thought was really clever and fun. Yeah Pac-Man right? It was Pac-Man because I was like, yeah, and he's playing this perfect game of Pac-Man. And for me, my memories went to my childhood of playing Pac-Man and it was my favorite game. Not one of my favorite games growing up, but it is my favorite game. I still have a maze in my mind of Pac-Man that goes down, left, down, left, down, this way, this way, and then go down to the right. Then you go up the steps. Then you go up, by then the ghosts are coming and then you go left, then you take the power pellet, then you can go back and take, I mean, it's like, I have this maze memorized in my head. So actually reading him play Pac-Man and play a perfect game of Pac-Man, which obviously I've never done, is just, oh, wow. So how does this author ever expect me to put this book down? There's just no way. 
I hate you. I need I need my sleep, but you've got me on Pac-Man. Did I anyone what? did anyone guess the coin it. thing? Sorry. Did anyone guess the coin thing? That that coin was you did? Predicted that it was gonna be part of the end of it. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like did you predict it was gonna or be the, such a major thing? I felt like it was a very cool scene to put in and I, I remembered it because I thought it might be important later. I guess I didn't realize it would be an extra life, but I did, but it did put it away as a really cool scene. I really liked that scene. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, okay, what's with this coin? What's with this coin? And I kept reading and I'm like, and over time I just forgot. I just forgot the coin existed. And I was like, well, what a wasted, you know, did you just have a wasted scene with just playing a perfect game of Pac-Man? And I was kind of a little disappointed with the author. I was like, fine, it's okay, it's okay. You got a perfect game of Pac-Man in it. And then I and then I totally forgot. And then at the end, yeah, I did not predict that. One of the things that they say that writers say or uh -huh. advice that they give to writers is if in scene one or one of the beginning scenes, if there's a gun on the mantle and you tell the readers about that gun you better use, it better be important later. So Amy, I, I, in, I knew that, I knew that something, I, there had to be something, but I didn't know what. Amy, I literally just like three days ago, I interviewed an author who's the author of um, Mr. Dickens and his Carol. And she said the same thing. She said, Anton, uh, Anton Chekhov said that if you put a gun on the mantle on the stage, because Chekhov is a playwright, if you put the gun on a mantle on a stage, by the third scene or by the third act, that gun better go off. That was, I was like, and that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I, now I got to go back to my book and go, how many guns have I put, <laughs> where have I put my guns? Yeah, and it makes you think about when, when you're reading and something random like that comes in it's got to be for something why unless unless they wrote it and then forgot that they wrote it because some do that too <laughs> so were there anything missing like were were there any loose ends anybody I don't know if I experienced loose ends but the thing that I'm scared to say that I feel like might be unpopular is I did not really buy the love story aspect of Ready Player One. I wanted to feel more invested in it. And because I love a good romance in any kind of narrative, but it felt, I just wasn't, I wasn't totally on board with it. It felt a little Wait, like- Are you talking about the between Parsifal and Artemis? Yes. Artemis, yes. that's her name. Yeah, I don't think that was, that was just like high school obsession. That wasn't a love story. That was just like kids being kids. I don't think that was love. I, I am going to say that I agree with you, Rachel, that it was supposed to be a love story is my, my thought on it. Lin Lindsay, I know you say, well, it's kids being kids, but there was a lot of mention about this cool, you know, girl and she's talking to me and it's, you know, you create, if you have a boy and a girl in a book, it's a love story. A boy and a girl in a book, I don't look at it as kids being kids. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy that way. But to address you, Rachel, about that, I had the exact same feeling. When my, my husband had given me this book, right? And I gave it back to him. I said, loved it, loved it, loved it. The only thing I didn't like is this thing. The love story wasn't that grand. 
whatever. So then he was like, no, 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 let's watch the movie. And you the movie. what's that? I was hoping so, we'd talk about the movie. I've heard the movie's <laughs> terrible, but I want to watch it because I love the book. I would disagree. I don't think the movie's terrible. They make a lot of different choices. Um, The framework is the same. The big high points are the same. And the choices that they make make sense if you're Steven Spielberg and you're adapting it for a movie, right? Naturally on movies, they're going to play up the love story. They're going to play up the action. And I think it was a really good adaptation, but it was very, very different. Um, My husband had actually watched the movie, had not read the book. And then he heard I was reading this. He's like, oh man, it's pretty nerdy. Like, I don't know if you're going to like it. And that's why I said in the beginning that I was so surprised that I loved it because I was expecting to be like, oh, all the references would be over my head and everything, but they weren't. And then I wanted to watch the movie. So we watched it last night and I'm like, this is nothing like it at all. Like all the challenges were different. The last one was similar, but it was very, very different. Still worth watching, I think though. Right. And and the, with the challenges, oh gosh, again, I'd seen this a while ago. In the book, you have to do, you have to get three keys, right? Or three eggs. Is it three eggs or three keys or uh, it's like three, three keys that open the gates and then you get the egg and then you get the egg. But before yeah. you get the three keys, there are some challenges before you get the key. Right. Right. OK, so in the movie, you don't have the challenges to get the key. It's just key, 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 egg. All those other challenges are just eliminated. So it's just that's that. And of course, in the movie, the romance is better flushed out and it is better. So, Rachel, for you saying that you the romance element of it, which was something that I felt it is better flushed out in the movie. However, feeling that the movie, I, I'm planning on watching the movie tonight, actually, because I'm fully immersed in this now. And I had a feeling that when I watch the movie, I will feel more invested in the romance. But if someone came to me and said, okay, let's watch the movie again. I'll be like, actually, no, that's okay. I'll just, I just want to read the book again. I think for me, after I've watched both, for me, the book is my hot cup of cocoa. And I feel like it'll always be that great feeling of, I feel good. This is like, you know, the good guys won and this is awesome. And I just... Uh, what did you guys think about the theme of um, who's the main guy? The main, the guy who died and left all this behind. About holiday. Who, holiday. Thank you. Holidays. Uh, this is what happens when you do this after <laughs> holiday. Holidays relationship. Being a loner with his girlfriend what do you think the author was trying to convey to us about it because holiday's best friend ended up with her and you know that's how the whole thing ended but what was the message there? there is a message there there has to be I just I feel there's a message that I just couldn't I was I don't know if I felt comfortable even broaching that direction because I don't know if I feel like I want to even admit that there's a message there but I know there is what thoughts maybe it's maybe it's that when you become I mean I know that they talk about like kids and well people anybody constantly texting and in their phones and stuff that you miss out on real life things 
So I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that he was so immersed in creating this world and these video games that life was passing him by and he missed out on the girl of his dreams, whereas his partner had it a little more balanced. And he was, the, he said he was the people person. Um, he was like the guy on the front lines who, you know, talked to people or whatever. So I'm wondering if that's kind of something to do with it, that he just immersed himself so deeply into his virtual reality world that real world and real life kind of, he missed out on it. Jennifer, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, even in the movie when they're in Halliday's office, and I think he said this in the book too, um, he said exactly that. He said, don't let life pass you by and this is just, you know, a, a game and it isn't really reality and reality is real. And so you need to also take part in that. I, uh, for me, what I'm having a rough time admitting is, is this a theme on potential mental illness? Potential, not necessarily mental illness, but um, I don't know, like, what's the other word when uh, someone is a, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Like on the spectrum, but high functional. Asperger's. Kind of like that. Um, neurodiversity. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, my brain is just completely. I, I felt like maybe this was talking a little bit about neurodiversity and about how neurodiverse individuals have trouble communicating and interacting. I disagree with you, Amy, on that holiday with his girl. I don't think holiday really it was about that he was involved in this. He was absolutely involved in it. That is, that is true. But I also felt there was this something within him, biological, physical, personality, that made it difficult for him to even approach her. That makes sense. I, I never even crossed my mind, but now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. Heather, did you hear my comment about holiday and neurodiversity? Yeah, yeah, I did. I think that they were for sure to um, give that idea. I think in the beginning, you almost think a little bit about Crystal being in a way that he has a difficult time interacting with people and he has to hide behind a facade in order to interact. And I think that's a little bit of holiday also. When, I, when you were talking, I remember that it, during the book, I thought of the theme of a warning. I felt like they were trying, they were trying to um, give these ideas and make these characters and slowly get them to become a group and rely on each other as a warning that where life can be if you don't interact with people or if you don't um, try to get out of, out of your inner shell or out of what you're doing and try to join the real world. But on that token, Heather, what about, well, then I'm going to be in the virtual world with my friends. And, uh, you know, I am involved with people, but I'm just not in the real world. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, because you did say he's trying to get a, the important part was getting a group together. Hey, we're all a group together right now in this book club. We can just stay here like this for the rest of our lives. No, I'm, that's a joke. But we're interacting, you know, where if that's the goal of the world is to bring people together, we're here. I... 
help me understand. I missed the point about why you feel that this was a group coming together to prepare them for the outside world. Oh, what did I miss? Sorry, the on the um, the game becoming that or the theme of the book. The I don't know that the, the original <laughs> game. Yeah, I don't know the original game that Holiday put out was meant to do that. I think that the theme of the book as they went through, as they became friends, as they started interacting in the outside world at the end showed a juxtaposition between interacting in the virtual world versus interacting in the outside world. When he finally comes out of the oasis and kisses her, right? All right. those things that they do outside that then suddenly show this, that it happening in real life, not just in your mind is, is better in a mm -hmm. way, right? I mean, right now we're going through this right now with our own children and our own careers and our own professions right. interacting in a virtual world versus the real world. Um, I actually said to my kids just recently before I knew that I was going to join this book club was went to be almost neater for school. If you weren't sitting on a zoom, you actually had a virtual reality where you can sit in a classroom next to your friends and though your body isn't there, your mind could be there. You know, I think that there probably is something to be said for that, for feeling like you're actually interacting with people um, and you're sitting next to them. Right, because it was a full body immersive experience. And, you know, th there's the other thing when, when we talk about our brains, right? We can trick our brains into believing our virtual worlds. If, if it's such a body immersive experience, we can trick our brains into believing that, you know what, we are, we are this is live, I'm, I'm here with someone. Can our brains really, when can our brains really, if, if the virtual world is so amazing, then can our brains really tell, no, this is virtual, or would we at some point not know the difference? I'm just curious. I really felt like in that part that uh, Halliday was pointing to the potential dangers of technology, because there was that line about how he only even felt comfortable with his crush, like um being himself while being a DD &D character right like always kind of this step removed like having a layer and technology can kind of do that with within this world and there are gifts to that but there are also there's also something dangerous about it where it can make you feel really removed and i wasn't sure what to make of it in the end but i i definitely felt like that was a purposeful thing that was being um pushed in the narrative, I think at the end, especially with that really overt, like Halliday was saying it, like be on the side of good, do something good with this, also be in the world, right? Um, and then we're just, we're, we were sort of left with that. When the book ended, I was a little like, whoa, okay, it's over. I was sort of surprised when it was over and I'm not exactly sure what to expect from Ready Player Two because of that, but um, it did leave me with a lot to think about in relation to all those questions, I think. So what are everyone's thoughts on Ready Player Two? What do you want to happen in Ready Player Two? What are your expectations? Is it gonna be better? Is it gonna be, leave it alone? Why did you write a Ready Player Two? What, you know, thoughts. Lindsay, you haven't I was said just much. talking to my son about this. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, 
I was just talking to my son and he said that he thinks it's going to be the world after this when he just has it open on the two days a week or he has it closed two days a week and what happens outside of the Oasis. Okay. Lindsay, what's Ready Player I'm, Two going to be like? Um, I don't know. I am not one to try to predict the story. Um, <laughs> so I am just really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, kind of at the beginning, I, I, I do think that Ready Player One was kind of like a prediction of reality. Um, I actually have a blurb from a business newsletter I receive each morning called The Morning Brew. Um, uh, in today's paper where they're just covering like what, you know, they just kind of cover businesses and how they're doing, obviously in the pandemic, it's interesting. Um, in today's newsletter, I'm gonna read, says the twin surges of discord and among us show that players are eagerly leaning into the social elements of video games. We can expect messaging platforms like Discord to continue their upward trend as gamers and other digital communities build more expansive ecosystems around their passions. So this book is literally coming true right now during this pandemic. Like people are living in worlds on their computer. Like I've been hearing like, people having weddings on that Animal Crossing video game platform. Um, and um, like, so ready, I really truly think like Ready Player One has predicted the future, like it's, it's happening now. So it'll be interesting to see what they author now thinks is gonna happen next year. So, but we'll Just find out in November. So. Interesting side note on Ready Player Two is that I have been trying desperately uh, to try to get an ARC of this book, of course. I'm sure as all the people on Bookstagram are like begging publishers, you know, sending emails, whatever. And it ends up that a good friend of mine had said, oh, you won't get it. Like, and then she goes, nobody will get Ready Player Two. And I was like, what do you mean nobody will get Ready Player Two for an ARC? And she goes, the reason for ARCs is to promote a book, to market a book to say, hey, read this book and create a hype. They don't need to promote or market this book. Besides, they cannot take a chance if there is a leak of information. And, and she brought up the thing, she goes, what if, what if Wade dies in Ready Player Two? And what if that information came out now? The publisher cannot take a chance on it. So, because I was like looking, there's, um, there's a bookstagrammer uh, Jordy's book club. He has like over 60,000 followers. You know, Jordy gets everything. So she was like, even Jordy will not get this book. So get over yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just, I was literally just looking on Goodreads now. I mean, they don't even have a blurb. The blurb is just, it's the sequel to Ready Player One. Right. Because they, yeah, it's just, that's just, because it, I just, it just hit me to. because they don't need to be, because, because uh, she was telling me, you know, Harry Potter, they didn't have ARCs for those books because they don't need to. And it's not just that they don't need to, the whole element of spoiler uh, secrecy. I mean, how are they going to put, you know, put a cap on that? So uh, and it was the same thing with Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the Hunger Games prequel this year, right? Like they didn't have any ARCs out on that one either. Yeah, so I mean, which totally makes sense. So, oh, yeah, yeah w when I write my bestseller, 
And when I have a part two, nobody's getting ARCs. I'm just telling you that right now. But anyway, um, favorite character. <laughs> favorite, favorite character, yeah. And why? I liked H. Why? Because she was just like this awesome friend. Um, she also kind of like worked the system to like put herself in a better place because even, you know, apparently as we, because we're living it now, we know that, you know, black women still uh, aren't getting any advantages in life. So she gave herself an advantage. Um, so I think she's real smart. And uh, I just feel like I want to be friends with her. She seems pretty cool. Anyone else favorite characters? H was mine too, for the same reasons. <laughs> I liked H for loyalty element of it, but I don't know. I liked Artemis. There was something spunky about her, but there was also, she wasn't a perfect character. Like with the element of romance and things like that, it wasn't there. I couldn't trust her. And just those elements for me felt it balanced her out. Like she was a super smart person, but you better watch out for her, but she's good, but she's not good. I don't know. I just, there was something spunky about her that I really liked. No one's picking Wade. Everybody's just like, eh, forget Wade. Poor Wade. I can't pick I thought all the characters are really well done. Yeah. I don't know that anyone stood out to me as a favorite. That's why I, I liked the way that they did all the characters. A maybe most memorable minor character for me was Jato. And if I'm saying the name right. And um, I think it's partially because I think his storyline is so tragic that he like died because of this like evil force. Like, and, and when you finally find out what happened to him and that it wasn't really a suicide, like there's something really tragic about that. And I will remember his character forever because of um, what happened to him, I think. And also there's something about that uh, the pair of them together that I really loved. I always love in any stories, if there's like siblings or some sort of like twins or I don't know, anyone who's kind of connected and then they get separated, it impacts me so much. Have you read it any- It's so of interesting too that they ahead, weren't sorry, even Laura, really cool. siblings from such a bond, even through that virtual platform that they felt that way. So I really appreciate uh, have you read uh, the Clockwork series, anybody? The Clockwork Prince, Princess Angel. Because in that series, it's, it's a fantasy series because you said you like the two people connected. There is a term in that world, in that universe, there is a term called parabatai, where they have two people who are so well connected. They have, they're like brothers. They have to fight for each other. They have to die for each other that's how much they're connected and if one parabatai dies it's like the other one's lost like there's a magical connection or so I, I like that element that was a different book but now that you mention it that is a cool element to have that you know like twins like with uh, Harry Potter are um who is a George and um Fred, Fred and George that that is a great uh that is a great element when you've got that bonding 
Yeah, I love that. I never thought of that as a trope, I guess, now that you just mentioned two other series that use that. There's something that feels kind of magical and heightened or something about those relationships and uh, characters that are maybe maybe playing more minor roles. Um, they felt very essential to me for some reason still. And I, I don't fully know why, but I can't really imagine the story without them in it. I feel like something would have been missing. Right. I think for an author, I don't know for sure, because I mean, Amy, you can tell me, I'm sure there are certain instructions for an author, like to write a book, you're like, okay, you need a protagonist. Maybe you can have an antagonist. Maybe you can have this. Maybe, you know, there are certain elements that you can add into your book. And just maybe this author just said, you know what, let's add this, this twinish element into it where it's two characters really connected. Maybe. You think so, Amy? Your Amy's like, I don't know. In, in <laughs> I, case- don't know. I, just, I just made up the characters as I went in my book. So I, I, I don't know. But um, I mean, I can imagine, you know, if there's, if he's, he had a use for them and I like them. I like the characters too. And with the uh, twinish elements and you find out that they're not really actual so there again, you find out there's that coming back to how you can become so close to someone in that way. So I, I like that. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's something that I'd like to know though, now that you say it. I mean, I, okay. So I do know there's this book, The Writer's Journey that goes over all the character types and what to put your character through you know you start off with a character in their normal setting then you change their setting a little bit and then you change it to a point where they don't have a choice but they have to go on the journey it's the hero's journey and then they meet all these different types and some people actually write books based on that Hmm. i haven't read it but yeah it sounds interesting i'll check it out yeah and interesting enough there's another book called The Story Genius, which another author wanted me to read before I wrote my book. And, sh- and that book goes, in case you're reading The Hero's Journey and trying to write a book based on it, don't do that because of blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, okay, fine. This great. Is not- great. I'm like, great, this is not helping because you have one book talked about the writer's journey and there's that and another book says, don't do that. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. Um, anything about this book that you feel that we have not discussed or it's like you're missing something obvious here i think i've decided what i think ready player two is about oh i think it's going to be a uh i think it's going to be civil war outside of the oasis like bringing the real world back together i i was sitting here thinking through what themes in the first book would push towards what could be on the next book and i don't necessarily think it's going to be about the oasis as much as it's going to be about the real world that's what i'm expecting as well wait for president wait for president right something like that maybe artemis for president there you go that's what i was going to say artemis for president (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) and i do think it'll be more about the fight though i think it'll be more about the conflict about the real world coming back together because it really is all about the dystopian society outside of the oasis that pushed them into that do you think it's going to be better or worse than Ready Player One? Or same, if you were to, you know, 
Is it going to be a negative one, zero, or a positive one? I'm not going to predict. I just want to read it. <laughs> I want to find out when I read it. <laughs> I very rarely find seconds and thirds to be better than the first. Um, the same as or worse is typically in most um, seconds and thirds. Okay. Yeah, I think because like in the first book, you get to meet all the characters and you get to fall in love with them. And in the second books, you already know them. So you've already had that, that what I would, you know, that um, courtship period, <laughs> I guess you could say. Okay. Um, I normally ask this and I know what Lindsay's going to say. Lindsay's going to be like, I read it as an ebook. There are no covers to an ebook, but uh, yeah. But what are your thoughts about the cover of Ready Player One? Both covers, because it had a cover originally, and then they switched the cover because now there's a movie. There is a meme about that. You know, you have this tiny little kitty cat, you know, cover before you became a movie, and then this big old, you know, like a tiger, like rar with a cover, cover after it became a movie. Any thoughts on the cover, either cover? Thoughts on the cover of Ready Player Two? I mean, which is exactly like the original Ready Player One cover. One minute, I'm going to look up I had to look it up, but I... I really like the first one much better than the second one, which is the movie um, version. I really like that simplistic 80s look, um, almost has the, um, the feel of a lot of the books that came out during that time. What am I thinking about? Um, I'll think about it in a minute. And then there's a key in the middle. I really I like that one. What did you think the book was about based on the cover? Like when you saw this and you were browsing in a bookstore, here's this book, and you're like, what is this book about? Just looking at the cover. I would guess technology. Like the way the text is feels very um, digital, <laughs> I guess. There's something about the text that feels like you're being drawn into that world, which I really like, which is also why I like the, the cover pre-movie much better than the post-movie covers. Is this the pre-movie cover can y'all see this um it's got like stacks on it the stacks is the post movie the pre-movie has everything as it's blank like where at the back of it is just a blank one i don't think it had stacks in the hmm. I'll have to there it is there it is here we go lower oh, screen okay. Oh my gosh, I just noticed to see Pac-Man. I just, I'm like, oh yeah, there you go. Okay, that's so cute, yeah. I was gonna I, say, it reminds me of some of the Kurt Vonnegut covers. That's what I was trying to think think about when I saw it. I think I would have picked it up. I read it as an ebook, but I would have picked it up because of that. You know, I'll be very honest. I don't think I would have ever picked it up because, it, because someone told me it was sci-fi. And I just... And I, the only reason I did it is because of my, I had a challenge at the beginning of the year and sci-fi category was one of it. And I just told my husband, this is not sci-fi. This is just adventure. And this is more fantasy adventure. And I'm like, don't give me the wrong genre because I'd missed out on a great book. And so now my husband and I, we argue about the genre of the book. Do you really I mean, think I can... Go ahead, tell me. Oh, I was going to say, I can kind of relate to that because I probably never would have read this book had it not been for your book group because my husband was like, oh, I watched the movie and you probably won't get all the references and it's super nerdy, you won't get it. And then right. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. So I'm really glad that I branched out and still read it. 
Do you really think it's sci-fi? Do you still, Not do you think it's sci-fi or soft sci-fi uh, or fantasy? A little bit. I would say a little, I'm not a big sci-fi reader, so I'm not sure I'm the best judge of that, but I think it was a little sci-fi with the futuristic and the technology and all that. So I'd give it that, but it was more nostalgic for me with all the 80s references. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because the 80s references in the book were totally different than the 80s references in the game. So I'm going to give my husband a bit of a pass there because they were they were totally, totally different. And so he was basing off whether I'd like it or not based off of the references in the movie. And they were totally different in the book. So he gets a pass. I just, for me, because there are wizards, it's fantasy and I'm sticking to it. That's it. And I love fantasy. So, and I don't want to admit that if it is true sci-fi that I actually like a sci-fi, so you like sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with sci-fi. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I just, but it was it was um, good. Okay, rating. Uh, you know, we we have a star rating. Everybody, you know, everyone has their own star rating. So based on your own, whatever category a star rating is. How would you have rated the book? I gave it five stars. I mean, there's just no doubt. I mean, if a book's going to keep me up all night and I love it that much, I mean, it's five stars, like hands down. Lori? I also gave it five stars. I couldn't put it down. I loved it. I was excited about it. I still feel like giddy about it because I loved it so much. Definitely a five star. Amy? Five for me too. I stayed up many a night too late reading it because I didn't want to put it down. So, yep. Jennifer? Yeah, same, same thing. I would also give it five stars. I couldn't put it down. I tried to uh, convince my 12-year-old to read it. So far, no dice, but I'm still hoping. Rachel? Okay, so don't hate me. I'd give it three stars. I really liked it, but to be fair, I know, I know, I know. But to be fair, my rating system, five stars has to be a book where I read it, it keeps me up, I love it, and I also want to immediately read it again. And I didn't feel that way, though I loved it. And four stars is like, I would recommend it to every single person I know. And I didn't feel, so three stars is a very good rating for me. Three stars is like solidly loved it. I feel like it was worth my time while being alive here on planet Earth. I don't feel like I wasted my time. Solid. I'm going to watch any adaptations of it. I will probably read the next in the series, right? So that is a solid score for me. Three stars is very, very good. Okay, I'm before I move on with star ratings, I have two more. Actually, wait, one question is give me a name of a book that you thought was five stars. <laughs> oh, okay. So the first one that comes to mind that meets all of my scoring criteria is The History of Love by Nicole Cross. And that came out quite a while ago. So maybe it's a deep cut. I don't know, but that's like a book that I've gifted to so many people. If I am gifting a book to multiple people in my life, that is a five-star book for me. Okay. And I will make the comment that now I'm really curious about Lindsay's uh, rating because we all know Lindsay is like the toughest critic, but it seems like Rachel, uh, I mean, Lindsay, you have, uh, you have competition for being, for tough critic uh, book judging, but Heather, you, you go next for star rating of the book. I was going to go four, actually. Um, To me, uh, I really liked it. I don't remember it keeping me up all night, but it kept me engaged for sure. Um, For me, five star um, probably needs to have a little bit better prose, a little bit 
more, a little bit better writing um, to truly get a five-star. Okay. Lindsay? Well, so first off, I want to say that Rachel, I totally um, am on board with your rating system. That's very much exactly like mine, whereas like three is like, yep, this is a good book. Four is like, I'm recommending it to people, telling them five is like, I literally can't stop thinking about this book. I see this book everywhere. I talk about it to people who aren't even bookie people. And in that uh, this is a five-star book for me because I love it so much. I see it in the world. I think about it all the time. Um, and I will probably read it again for a third time. So uh, this is a five-star. This is the first five-star, Lindsay five-star book for the year. What, what are we? What month is this? October book club, right? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it took 10 months to get a five-star out of you, Lindsay. Rachel, okay, we're working I, on you I next. Didn't I suggest this book? <laughs> wait, wait, you did suggest this book. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rachel, we are definitely working on you next. Please do. I will be very impressed if any of you get me to a five-star review. Uh, I'm, I'm a friendly but tough critic, I guess I'd say. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. Any other things that we should discuss about this book that I completely missed on? I do just have to say that this is definitely something that I wouldn't have read otherwise, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, and I really appreciated the chance to e expand my reading habits because I definitely can get stuck in like a particular mode or genre. And it was really fun to read something that I normally wouldn't just read on my own. And that in and of itself was like such a treat for me this month. Right. And I think personally with having a book club and allowing people to you know, because I'm not always picking the book, although I did pick the next two books, but generally I just go, okay, who's, you know, which book is this? And I kind of ask people when different people pick a book, I think it expands our horizons because the books we've read this year, I, it's just like, there are books I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll bite, I'll read. And, you know, they've been good and they've been okay. And, um, and yeah, uh, I'm Shanaz and uh, yay. I think this was a fun discussion. Yay to, for Ready Player One, ready for Ready Player Two. I'm Lori and I can't re wait to read the next book. I'm Amy and I'm looking forward to the next book too. I hope it's as good as the first one was. I'm Jen, I'm also looking forward to reading the next one. Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm Rachel and I am so excited to talk about the next book. I'm Heather and I'm very excited to read Ready Player Two and whatever we have for our next month's book. Excellent. I'm Lindsay and I just got texted that our school board has voted our children get to go back to school and so I don't have to worry about my child becoming a zombie and living in an alternate reality because she doesn't have school to go to. So I'm gonna go have a glass of wine and celebrate that. <laughs> oh, and Ex I'm <laughs> and you're a Hufflepuff, right? <laughs> Congratulations on that. So, yay. And that's it for this time. Our next book club pick is going to be Against the Loveless World by Susan Abu Hawa. On this podcast coming soon, I am going to talk 
to the editors of Stories from Suffragette City. That book gets released on October 27th, published by Henry Holt. Super excited about that. And of course, I'll be doing some bookish episodes as well. So stay tuned. Before I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each lesson, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you love this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you, that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. Please follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.